Okay, Genesis chapter 40. I actually want to back up a little bit, and I'm going to pray before we begin, but I want to back up into chapter 39 verses to verse 20. That's where I'm going to start reading, and um, let's pray. Lord, as we gather together to study um, your word together, Lord, I want to just pray for safe travels for all of the, the people who are still up at Johnson's uh, village uh, uh, from church here that are up there uh, at a family camp, and we know that Curtis is doing a, a Sunday morning service up there for all of those who are there, so we just pray your hand a blessing on him, that you would fill him with your spirit, and Lord, that you'd give him a word for those who are there. And as all of them travel back with their campers and their trailers and, and, and um, back down here, we pray for safe travel for him, and we thank you, God, for the time that we did get to have together there this weekend. Uh, Lord, fellowship in, in you is, is an awesome thing. And Lord, as we open your word together, we, God, profess it to be truth. We receive it as truth. And so, God, we believe that you'll speak to us this morning through your Holy Spirit as we read and study your word, and God, that you'll meet each person right where they're at. And so, Lord, our hearts are open to you, our, our ears are ready to hear, and we, we pray, God, that you would teach us um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, one last thing, guys. If you can just keep Scott and Robin in prayer. Uh, you guys know that Scott's dad gave his life to the Lord just about three weeks ago, and he is nearing the end of his life. Um, and Scott and Robin flew out there to, to be with him. And um, I spoke to Scott this morning, and his, his dad is still still alive. But they're praying that um, Jesus would come and take him that in the suffering that he's that he's that he's in right now. So please pray for Scott and Robin during this real hard time. As Scott's in the process of of his dad uh, transitioning. I love to use this word. He's promoting into the life that's yet to come. It's a promotion for us who believe. So Genesis chapter 39, verse 20. I'm going to read this and then we'll stop and then we'll get into chapter 40. But in verse 20, it says this. Says, then Joseph, Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Now, we obviously see that God was involved in this, but it also reveals the character of Joseph again to us, that last verse that said, that the keeper of the prison so trusted Joseph that he didn't even look into what he was doing. And, and we know that was to be true with what Joseph had uh, previously exampled in the situation where he was at before in, in Potiphar's house, that Potiphar didn't even know anything except the, what he had except for the bread that was put before him to eat because everything had been entrusted to Joseph. And I wanted to read these last few verses of chapter 39 before we continued on to chapter 40 for a couple of specific reasons that we need to have with us in the forefront of our minds as we continue to travel through the, the, the rest of this, this chapter. And the, and the first thing that I wanted to, to, the first reason and the first thing I wanted to remind you of is, is, is seen in this text is, is, the, is it, it, that we're reminded by these things that we're reading of that, that we're reminded that, that even though Joseph's circumstances were changing we're reminded that God was still in control. God was still in control, even though the circumstances of life, of Joseph's life, was, was drastically changing from one high to one low. And, and we see also changing at no fault of, of his own. 
Remember, back in chapter 39, it began by telling us that after Joseph had been sold into slavery by his, by his betraying brothers, that he was then resold to, uh, to an Egyptian man, the, the man that we were speaking of, a man by the name of Potiphar. Yet because the Lord was with Joseph, and because Joseph had ultimately put his trust in the Lord and faithfully decided to serve this new Egyptian master, he found this favor in Potiphar's sight. In fact, we were told that because Potiphar had seen how, how the Lord was with Joseph, just like the prison keeper had seen that, like the, that, the, that the Lord was with Joseph, that Joseph was made to prosper. That is, that everything that was put into his hand, we were told, prospered. And we know that Joseph was elevated, elevated to a position of authority in Potiphar's house. And um, yet, those favorable circumstances, while Joseph was in Potiphar's house, they didn't last and, and, and even though Joseph faithfully served the Lord by serving this Egyptian uh, master um, with integrity, we see that God allowed for Joseph to even be accused of a crime he did not commit, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and then unjustly condemned to be cast into this prison by the very man whom he had faithfully served. And maybe you've been in that situation where you've not done anything wrong. And as a matter of fact, the person who you've been kind to was the person who's turned against you. Joseph knew what that was like. But what we see is, is this was not the end of Joseph's story. And often when we're in those situations, we can feel like, this is it. This is the end. I've been betrayed. There's no hope. And there is hope. There is always hope when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was not the end of Joseph's story. And we're told again that the Lord was with Joseph even through all of these things in this time in prison. And I said last week in Psalm 120, it describes Joseph's time as being shackled around the neck and around the ankles. That it was an unpleasant experience. And, 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 and ultimately God, God working, was still working things together even in this situation for his good and for God's glory. And so we are told that while Joseph was in prison and that the Lord was with him, we're told specifically that the Lord showed him mercy and kindness. And he gave him favor in the sight of the prison keeper. And even though Joseph was confined to this dungeon, a a, a word that Joseph would even use to describe the place that he was at, he was then elevated again to a place of authority and given charge all over all the prisoners who were in the prison. And guys, in light of this, what we need to see, what we can see, is we see how Joseph's contentment while while exercising godliness brought him great gain. Joseph's contentment in this new set of circumstances while exercising godliness, being trustworthy, being faithful, being a servant, it brought him a great gain. But more importantly, guys, what we see is we see the sovereignty of God. We see the sovereignty of God even in these circumstances, in this situation, because we know that God was in control of all these things. Not only do we know that God was in control of all these things, but we know, like He is doing in our lives, that He is working His master plan. And He was working a master plan in and through the life of Joseph by the set of events that were continuing to change and would continue to change. And we'll see this as we read on. Now, in addition to seeing how God remained in control through all of these circumstances that Joseph was faced with, that Joseph was out of control, had no control over, we also need to keep in mind, this is the second reason, the second thing that I want to point out to you, we also need to keep in mind as we examine Joseph's life, 
which was used by God, we'll be told to save many. That in seeing Joseph, we continue to see many comparisons. We see comparisons to the life of Christ, who was sent by God, the Bible tells us, to be our Savior, to be the Savior of the whole world. And in this current set of circumstances we, that we've been reading through here with Joseph being in prison and what we'll continue to read through here in chapter 40, is, is what we're going to see is that um, just like um, Joseph had been falsely accused and locked up in prison with men who had really broken the law, Joseph was like Jesus in that that we know Jesus was also falsely accused, right? And the Bible tells us that he was numbered, the word says, with those who had actually broken the law. This is a prophecy given to the prophet Isaiah and, 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 and who spoke it and wrote it in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, where it says this, God speaking, therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul into death and was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressor. And we know from the Gospel of Mark and Mark chapter 15 that this very specific prophecy came to pass when Jesus was crucified on the cross at Calvary as it tells us in verses 28 or 27 and 28 of Mark 15, it says, With Jesus, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right side and the other on his left side, so that the Scripture was fulfilled, which says, And he was numbered with the transgressors. So we see this picture of the coming of the Messiah through the life and the actions of Joseph. And in addition to this thing, we also are told that Jesus was sent by God the Bible tells us to be a servant. And that's something that we would not necessarily expect if God was to send His Son to this planet, that it would be more so to be a ruler, right? To reign over everything. And we know there's a time that's coming for that, but the first time that Christ came, it was specifically to be a servant, the Bible tells us, to be an intercessor for those, if you will, who are imprisoned to their sins. And, and Joseph is like Jesus in this way, in that in verse 4 of chapter 40, which we're going to read here in a moment, it tells us that Joseph served the prisoners who he was numbered with. He served them. Now, that's not necessarily what we would think about any prison guard, right? Correctional officer, for those of you here. But in a sense, that's what you're called to do. And Joseph, having been raised to this position of authority, seen it as an opportunity to serve, and we're specifically told that he served them. Furthermore, like Jesus who makes intercession for the transgressor, for us as a great high priest, the Bible tells us, we see that Joseph, by interpreting the dreams that these two men had, these these, these, uh, these men who were imprisoned by Pharaoh, the butler and the baker, that Joseph was interceding for them. He served them and he interceded for them as, as, it, as he, Joseph, in verse 8 of chapter 40, declared that the interpretations belong to God. That Joseph was going to serve them, he was going to minister to them, but the information that he was receiving was, was coming from God, coming through him to them. He was just the intercessor. 
And I point these things out because these examples of how Joseph was like Jesus, along with many others that we're going to see as we continue to study through the book of Genesis. You know what, guys? Ultimately, what we have to see is they've been given to us so that we might follow them. They reveal the character and the person of Joseph, and more so it reveals the character and person of Jesus Christ. But they've been given to us, that that knowledge, that information, these examples have been given to us so that we might follow them. In fact, I looked through the New Testament, and I was looking for specific times in the New Testament. Unfortunately, I have Bible software that helps me do this. I didn't go page by page and do it on my own. But I, I began to put in some key searches for some specific instances, not just indirect ones, but specific times where we as followers of Jesus Christ are instructed to follow Jesus' example. And there's nine specific times where we're told in the New Testament to follow Jesus' example, specifically in relationship to the life that he had lived, by the way that he served others, and also by the sufferings that he endured, called to follow his example. Now with all that in mind, as we continue on and read through this next chapter, I want to remind you of something. I want you to be reminded or be aware of the amount of time that passes in these events that we are reading. And if you remember, when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, he was 17 years old. I've pointed this out before. And then when we get to chapter 41, verse 46, we're told that when Joseph was... um, finally um, delivered from prison that he was 30 years old. And this means that Joseph spent a total of 13 years of his life as a slave and as a prisoner before God fulfilled the prophetic dreams that he gave to him when he was still at home with his family. Those dreams which foretold of Joseph's rise to power which would lead to his family bowing down before him. Thirteen years of slavery and imprisonment. And when we take notice of this, we see how these thirteen years ultimately was a time of discipline for Joseph, a time of training that God was using in order to prepare Joseph for the rest of his life as he would serve and minister from a place of authority eventually as second in charge over all of Egypt. And with this insight, we must remember, guys, this. We must remember that God is always preparing us for what He has planned for us. God is preparing you today for what He has planned for you tomorrow. And the things that we are going through today um, that are often appear to be out of our control is never out of God's control. And it's always a part of God's plan to do good things in us so that He might be glorified. So like Joseph and like Jesus, guys, we must trust Him in every situation. Today, put your trust in Jesus for whatever you're going through and yield to God's perfect will for your life even though the circumstances that you might find yourself in may not be favorable circumstances. With that, let's read chapter 40 together. And if you'll follow along there, it tells us that it came to pass, so some times have come that Joseph was in prison. Obviously, he had been elevated up to this place of authority. It said, some time had come to pass 
that these things uh, that these things happened that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord and the king of Egypt and Pharaoh was angry and he put his two officers the chief butler and the chief baker into prison and so he put them into custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison in the place where Joseph was confined and verse 4 says the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them so they were in custody for a while then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison they had a dream both of them each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation and so Joseph came into them in the morning and he looked at them and he saw that they were sad so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house saying why do you look so sad today and they said to him we each have had a dream and there is no interpretation of it so Joseph said to them do not interpretations belong to God Tell me, tell them to me, please. And then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded. Its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them in, in Pharaoh's cup and placed the, the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And verse 12 it says, And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner. But the former manner when you were his, his butler. But remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. So verse 16, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he also said, or he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. And so Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. Three baskets are three days, and within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head. Not lift up, but lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among the servants, and he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But... He hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. And I'm grateful that that's not, that's not the end, that there's a continuation of this account in, in, verse, in chapter 41. I'm grateful that God didn't forget about Joseph, and Joseph didn't remain there stuck in prison. But as we consider... And going back to the beginning of the chapter, if we, consider, if we consider this interaction that Joseph had with the butler and the, and, and the chef, we see that both of them, first of all, uh, the thing to, to, the importance to take note of is that both of them were, were um, Pharaoh's officers, we're told. 
And, and this meant that they were important people who held positions of trust and access, they had access to Pharaoh. In fact, being the chief butler, as we read on, we see a little bit more information in that, that he was really in charge of the king's cup, the cupbearer. And as a cupbearer, his job was to protect the king by making certain that his wine was prepared and that it was safe to drink. You can imagine he had the king's ear. He was, he was trusted. Likewise, the, the chief baker, being the chief baker, meant that he was in charge overall of the kitchen. And he had the responsibility of making sure that the king's food or Pharaoh's food was, was prepared correctly and that it was also safe to eat. And since both of these people served in positions of authority in the presence of, the, of Pharaoh, they, in regards to the court of Pharaoh, were important people. They were influential people. And even though we are not told why these two men were put in prison, the fact that they were men of importance who were now confined to Joseph, it was a sign. It was a sign that God was still with Joseph and that, that God was still working in Joseph's life with a very definite purpose, with a very definite plan. And even though this chapter ends with Joseph being forgotten by these men whom he had helped, we see that... Um, God brought them into Joseph's life so that he could ultimately set him free. We're going to read about that as, as we continue on with this story, that, that God had, had, had brought them in to ultimately set him three, free and ultimately to raise uh, Joseph up to, the, to that throne that he had prepared for him, second in charge. Now, I don't know if you, 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 you caught this as we were reading through it, but there's a, there's a side note I want to point out. And it's interesting to me that verse 3, that in verse 3, if you look there, um, where we're told that these two chiefs were put into the custody of Joseph, that it was done so by the captain of the guard, right? And the captain of the guard who had been given these, these two chiefs by Pharaoh, the king, was then put into Joseph's charge and Joseph, and Joseph was charged to, to care for them. And I find this to be interesting because in that last chapter when we were introduced to Potiphar, we were told that Potiphar was this man. Potiphar was the captain of the guard. In light of this, it makes me wonder if Potiphar was still involved in Joseph's life, that if he believed that Joseph was innocent of the accusations that had been made against him. To trust the very man who had betrayed you with someone who's been entrusted to you. The Pharaoh said, hey, Captain of Guard, these are your guys, and what you, you take care of them. And then Potiphar, the Captain of the Guard, handed them over to Joseph. And, and, and things don't add up there, and so it can cause us to kind of wonder and it makes me wonder if if Potiphar thought that 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 Joseph was really innocent of the things that had been that had been brought against him the accusations yet because it was Potiphar's wife who had brought the charge against Joseph he 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 may have felt that he had no other choice to put Joseph in prison so even though he found no fault in Joseph Potiphar still had him punished still had him in prison and i find this to be an interesting possibility in light of the fact that Joseph is for us a picture of Jesus. Because this is exactly what we are told about Jesus, who was tried, we're told, by Pontius Pilate and found to be without fault. As a matter of fact, Potiphar, or I mean, uh, Pontius Pilate declared that. And, and, and when the Jews still demanded that, that Jesus be punished, that Potiphar said, okay, I wash my hands, I'm innocent in this. 
And we know that Jesus, yet who was an innocent man, was treated like a guilty man, and he was given over ultimately by Pontius to be beaten and to be crucified in order to appease those who had falsely accused him. And of course, we know that this was all part of God's plan, right? This was all part of God's great plan to save us through the sacrificial done of his son, uh, through the sacrificial death of his son Jesus. And in 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 Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty one, it says this: It says, speaking about the innocence of Christ, and and yet him being charged as a guilty man, it says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God in Him. And we know from what we read in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, that, that Christ, in submitting Himself to this plan, an innocent man being tried and treated as a guilty man, that, uh, that in submitting Himself to His Father's plan, it says that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And as we consider this alongside verse 4 here in our text, which says that Joseph served them, those who he was put in charge of, the chief butler and the chief baker, he served them. As we consider this, we see that we guys must be willing to again consider these examples that we've been given to follow, and we must ask ourselves this. I think these are hard questions, but I think that they're necessary because we see the life that we've been called to live through Jesus' example, through Joseph's life as well. We need to ask ourselves if we are God's servants, if we are God's servants who serve according to the will of our Father in heaven. Is it His plan? Are we as servants who are serving at His will? In other words, do we, by the examples that we've seen, do we serve sacrificially or do we only serve when it's convenient or when the circumstances in our lives are favorable to us? Do our acts of service have to fit into first our plans and our schedules before we say yes to the needs of others that God has made known to us? Or even this, guys, do we put limits and conditions on our acts of service and in essence tell God that we're going to only serve when we want to, um, where we want to, or who we want to? Or do we like Jesus and do we like Joseph willing to submit our lives, our bodies, our minds, our time, our resources, ultimately to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And simply say, here I am, send me, when a need is made known. Remembering this, that we have been bought, the Bible says. We've been redeemed, we've been purchased, we've been paid for with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And these lives that we now live in Him are no longer our own. Now, as this account of Joseph's time in prison continues, we're told in verse 5, that at some point during their confinement, you get to the, the heart of this story here, that both the butler and the baker had this dream. And apparently these dreams happened on the same night, two different dreams, and neither, me, neither, neither of these men could figure out what these dreams meant, and they caused them to be sad, and their sadness was noticed by them. 
by Joseph, we're told, when he saw them in the morning. And, 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 and just right there, we know that these guys who have probably gone through some hard things and now aren't confined in prison, they're having these dreams, and, 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 and probably like the rest of us, even though they didn't understand them, they automatically assumed that the dreams meant something bad, right? As a matter of fact, the baker, we're told, was hesitant to tell Joseph his dream until he saw that the interpretation he gave to the butler was a good one. And he's thinking right on, this is a good thing. I'm going to get some good stuff too. Well, we know for that guy, it didn't work out to be so. But the, the thing that we were told here, which I think is significant, is that in the morning, Joseph saw them. Now, one of the things I want to put out, just as a side note, guys, is ministry can be very task-oriented. And if you've ever done ministry to anybody, you, can, you know that it can be task-oriented. There's things to do. And inside the prison, as Joseph was, was called to these duties, there was things for him to certainly do as he was in charge of everything, so much so that the prison keeper did not even know what was going on. He just trusted Joseph. And, and, and I can't even imagine the range of duties that he had, you know, seeing that they got fed, cleaned, many things that, that were just duty, duties that were for everyday life. But in the midst of being a servant, in the, bishop, in the midst of being a minister, we see that Joseph wasn't so focused on the tasks and the duties that he forgot about the people who he was serving, right? And sometimes we can do that in our own lives. And, and I don't even mean in church-related stuff, but moms, there's a lot of things to do that are required of you as a mother, right? Especially a working mom. Works outside of the home. You come home, there's all these things to do at home. You've got to cook and clean and do the laundry and, and all these things. And hopefully you all have husbands who, who help you and you, you men share in those duties and those things. But we, we can get so, at times, wrapped up in the things and the tasks that God's called us to as servants as we serve our spouse, as we serve our kids, maybe even as we serve our neighbor or our people in the church or those in the community, that we really lose sight of the fact of what it's all about. You know, we, 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 uh, as a hospice chaplain, I get this opportunity to come with people and walk with them at the end of their lives. And inevitably, when someone speaks about a regret or what they wish they had more time for, uh, it's always having to do with the relationships with other people. Either a time of healing and restoration or that they just had more time with the, the people they love, or had spent more time with friends, people they had made friendships with. And, and then they all talk about how the busyness of life can just overwhelm them and overtake us, and we lose track of the things that are so important. People, relationships. I want to encourage you this morning to not let that be, don't lose that, at the expense of the task. And, and I think Joseph examples that for us in that he was a servant and he walked in in the morning and he's looking around probably at what needed to be cleaned or what needed to be done. And he sees these two guys and he notices what? He notices, yeah, he's, he knows they're sad. He notices them. Them. And in doing so, he noticed that they, that they were sad. 
You guys, and even though the rest of this chapter is about the interpreting of these dreams and the fate of these two men that, that these dreams foretold of, I think it's important for us to be aware of the fact that Joseph noticed that he was that they were sad. And not only did he notice that they were sad, but he cared enough to ask what was troubling them and then to do something that do something about it. I mean, when we ask each other in the morning, hey, how's it going? You know, lots of times it's just a greeting, but do we really want to hear how is it going are we taking time to look the person in eye and see their countenance to see that that maybe something isn't all all right are we investing in each other's lives enough to be able to know the difference when things are right and when things are wrong and then being willing and to care enough to 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 to, to ask about it and then to even do something about it And this is important for us to see that Joseph had done this because it reveals the fact that, guys, what Joseph was doing as a servant in this prison, in this dungeon, is that he exercised genuine compassion and kindness towards those he served. And in doing so, Joseph was, first of all, a good witness of God who was with him and for the God he served. But furthermore, we see that in all of this that Joseph actually was offering his assistance to them and he asked them in verse 8 to share their dreams with him. Share them with me. And we see that in doing so that Joseph was also a humble man. See, Joseph knew something they did not know and he could have used it to his advantage in an ungodly way and, and just said, hey, I can tell you what's going on. And never give any credit or any glory to God for the fact that God was the one to give the interpretation. But Joseph right away said, hey, is not God the one who gives the interpretation? Tell it to me and I'll bring it before him and give you the answers. And so there's humility in that right away. And Joseph wasn't pointing it to himself. Now, Webster's Dictionary, guys, defines compassion. I think that's so absent in our world today and maybe even absent in in so many of our churches today and hopefully not from our own lives, but probably not to the degree that it needs to be there for sure. But Webster defines compassion as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by a misfortune accompanied it's just not feeling sorry or or sympathy for someone it's it's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate their suffering see compassion requires interaction and i point this out because it helps us not only see the genuineness of joseph's servanthood but also helps us consider these things in in a unique way because we remember that joseph in in this situation he had been sold as a slave to the Egyptians. The people who were in the prison with him were Egyptians. And not only was he sold into slavery to the Egyptians, but we see that he had even in the past been untreated unjustly by them. And then when we consider this, I don't know about you, but I probably would not expect Joseph to show compassion to any Egyptian. Here's your food, get out of my face. And, and, and I say it like that because I know that if I had been in Joseph's shoes, I would have had a really hard time serving these people and even a harder time being compassionate and kind to the very people who held me a slave and then mistreated me. 
But I bet if we were all honest, I think we would all admit that we've struggled with showing compassion and kindness to someone who has mistreated us or to someone who in our mind for any reason has deemed, we've deemed them undeserving of, of our compassion or undeserving of our kindness. Have we not? Have we not all done that at some time or another? But the fact of the matter is this is, this is what mercy and grace is all about. See, mercy and grace is the the door for compassion, for kindness, for forgiveness. Mercy and grace. And and our God, Bible tells us, who who is full of mercy and who is full of grace is compassionate and kind to those of us who are undeserving of it. And He calls us to be like Him, does He not? This is a really hard passage of Scripture. And in Luke chapter 6, verses 31 through 36, Jesus speaking about this to His disciples, you and I today, He says this, He says, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Don't do to them like they've done to you. He says, like you want them to do to you, do to them likewise. And Jesus explains this and He says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. But you... Love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Furthermore, guys, or in addition to this, we can see... We can see by what Joseph did for these men who were undeserving of it that he was a light shining in a dark place. A light who was shining in a dark place who ultimately sought to reveal God to these men. Likewise, when we treat people with compassion and kindness especially when they're not deserving of it like Christ was speaking about there, that we as followers of Jesus reveal ourselves to be different than the rest of the world, do we not? And in doing so, we shine also as lights into the darkness. And in Psalm 112, verse 4 and 5, this is expressed when it says this, Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends, and he will guide his affairs with discretion. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A light arises in the darkness. And guys, this is such a strange thing, if you think about it, in the world that we live in, to see this kind of thing, to meet this kind of person. To see these kinds of things exampled in our homes between husband and wife or to our kids or to our neighbors or to our co-workers in such a way that that light shines in and people go, you're different. 
How can you be forgiving? Why are you gracious? Why are you merciful? And it gives us the opportunity to say, it's because of our Father in heaven. He's been gracious and merciful and forgiving and kind to me. To love those who are unlovable. To do the right thing to those people even when they're doing the wrong things to us. But guys, listen, in addition to being a light in a dark place, Scripture is clear to tell us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, it tells us that in choosing to be merciful, guys, we find favor and high esteem, it says, in the sight of God. That in making that decision to be merciful, to be kind, we find favor and high esteem in the sight of God. And even though Joseph's compassion and an act of kindness was here forgotten by the very person that he had helped, we see that God did not forget. God does not forget. And that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a comforting thing to remember because the truth is, guys, lots of times we are done being merciful, done being compassionate, and kind to those around us, to those who are not being that way to us, because we live with this idea that if we do so, they're just going to what? They're going to take advantage of it. They're going to continue to be unjust with us, unloving towards us, that they may even take the very things that we're being vulnerable with and use it against us. And no quicker... Did this guy get set free, it says, three days from there, and he got restored to his place of position and power and authority of the butler. It says that he forgot about Joseph. He forgot about him. But Joseph had found favor and high esteem in God's eyes. God did not forget. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up with this. And... Um, uh, yeah, no, I want you to go ahead and come on up and get prepared. I want to close with this. I you may be standing up here longer than I want you to, but maybe not. <laughs> I want to point out in closing, if you're going to look with me to verse 14 real quick. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with this, and this is, this is one of these times where I'm going to point out to you, this is a person's opinion, and I have my own opinion, and, 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 and opinions are like armpits, and, and I don't like to do this very often when it comes to the Word of God in in uh, disseminating it and, and, and expounding on it because I think that the best commentary in the Bible that explains to us what's going on is the Bible and we don't have to speculate. I don't want to give you my interpretation of it. I just want it to stand on its own. But I, I want to point out that there are a lot of commentators that I, was, that I was reading as I was studying through some of this that they say this, that they suggest for a brief moment that while Joseph was in this difficult situation, that he got his eyes off of God and he got his eyes on to what the butler could do for him. And in doing so, Joseph for a moment had transferred his trust from God to what man might be able to do. And this is why Joseph, they say in verse 14, asked the butler to remember him and show kindness to him by making mention of him to Pharaoh, specifically with the hope of him getting out of this dungeon because he says, I've been put in it unjustly, right? And I could see how some people could come to that conclusion, but the truth of the matter is, is the word of God doesn't tell us that's what was going on. And so I'm not going to make that statement and, and say, I believe it to be true either. And actually, I, I, I tend to lean a little bit on the other side as I look at the 
the totality of Joseph's personality and, and the type of man that he was and say, no, he, he just saw an opportunity and, 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 and there was no transfer of trust from God into that. But I can see how we as human beings and, and me in my own weakness, if I was in that situation, that's what I would do. I'd be like, yes, this is an opportunity. And, and in doing so, I might just kind of set God aside and go, putting my hope in man. And, and the reason why I think it's important to point out is even if Joseph did not do that, we do that at times. And the Bible warns us over and over and over again, and it instructs us and it encourages us and tells us that we have no need to put our trust in man. As a matter of fact, that when we do put our trust in men, what's going to happen is, is we're going to be let down time and time and time again. And such was the case with Joseph. And, and I don't know if he was let down in his heart because he put his faith in, in the butler and transferred it from God, but obviously he had some hope that this guy could do something for him. And later on, we're going to see that God does use this guy to do something to get Joseph out of prison, but it was in God's timing. And even when God puts someone before us, and this is the point that I want to bring up, even if God puts someone before us who appears to be able to help us out in a difficult time, we have to trust that God's the one that's going to do it and He's going to do it in His time when He sees fit, if He sees fit. And that should remind us this morning that we need to keep our eyes on God. We need to keep our requests before God. Joseph could have very well have gone and said, Lord, there's this situation, and maybe he did, and you know that this guy's here, and he's going to be set free. You've let this be made known to me. God, use him in Pharaoh's court for my sake. And that needs to be how it is with us in our own lives. We don't trust in people. We don't put our trust in things. And yet, in this world that we live in, in this culture that we live in, this society that we live in here in the United States, it's so easy for us to transfer our trust. The world does it all the time. Americans do it. We do it as Americans all the time. Because we have a house over our head, because we have a car to drive, because we can pull up to the grocery store and get the food that we need, or we can get the gas that we want. And even if we don't have the money to do so, we have a government right that will provide for us. And all of those things can be used by Satan in one way or another to get, put a veil before our eyes to go, listen, we don't need to trust in God. Or, at the very least, it can cause us to go to God at a time when we have none of those other things available to us, when it's all stripped down, when we should be going to God at the very beginning in every situation. One of the verses that really simply put this into a good perspective is in Psalm 20, verse 7, where it says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. And obviously we don't have chariots and we don't have horses. But, but power, there are powerful things that, that is saying in, in relationship to war that people put their trust in rather than trusting in God. And, 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 and we don't put our trust in these things, figuratively speaking, chariots or in horses. It says, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And why, guys? Because he's faithful. Because he is doing a good work in your life today. He has thoughts of good for you, not thoughts of evil. He has a future and a hope. And the work that he's doing in your life today is for something great tomorrow. Put your trust in him and you'll never be let down. Let's pray. Father, help us, God, to do that. Help us, Lord, to put our trust in You and You alone. And Lord, if there is an area of our life, 
if there's a person, a place, or a thing, God, that we are looking to receive any kind of comfort, any kind of peace, any kind of relief from a situation that we find ourselves in. Lord, I pray you would, as painful as it may be in the moment, that you would strip it completely away. God, that we would, that we would see that you alone are who we can put our trust in. And Lord, as we're doing that, help us, Father, to live by the example that your Son, Jesus Christ, has given us. Because, Lord, as we walk in faith, as we put our trust in you, God, we know that we'll be encouraged and empowered, Lord, to do these things, to be a servant, to show compassion, to show grace, to, to, to be merciful to those around us, even when we've been treated um, with, without mercy or without grace. That when we do that, God, when we put our trust in you, that we'll be empowered and enabled and filled with the Holy Spirit, God, to be different than those around us. To find favor in your sight. To, 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 to find that place of high esteem before you as a son. Lord, because you tell us that this is how we live as your kids. This is what we are like. And it's, it's more so, God, us recognizing what we are like in you and then living up to that man or woman that you've created us to be through the empowering of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, may we be like Joseph and just humbly surrender ourselves to you, to your will, to our situation that you have us in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, why don't you stand and we'll worship the Lord together.